Today on the Matt Wall Show, the Biden team is making its closing pitch to voters, and the closing pitch is, maybe not surprisingly, full-blown Marxism. Will it work? Will it backfire? If it does work, what does that say about our country? Also, five headlines, including cities bracing for leftist rioting after the election. If I was a leftist, I'd be pretty ashamed. Um, though if I was a leftist, I'd also be incapable of shame, I guess. And a special daily cancellation today that you're not going to want to miss. All that on the way. First, though, a word from Rad Power Bikes. You know, whether you want a new way to get around town or uh, get out in nature, even if you got your kids in tow, you've got to try Rad Power Bikes. It's a great way to get outdoors without getting all hot and sweaty. So it's a lot of fun. It's also just a practical way of getting around, get to work. You know, you're not going to show up at the office dripping with sweat. Your colleagues will, and coworkers will appreciate that. Fun and practicality is a great combination, and you get that with this. A cross between a traditional bike and a moped, but it doesn't require a special driver's license like a moped would. But that doesn't mean the thing is slow. In fact, it goes up to 20 miles per hour without pedaling. Rad Power Bikes, very affordable as well. The most e-bikes are in the range of like $3,000. These start out at just $9.99, and uh, most are under $1,500. So most of them are half, uh, half of what you're going to pay for most uh, e-bikes. Great for commuting, getting out of the trail, hauling groceries, hauling kids, whatever it is. Now, for a limited time, Rad Power Bikes offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR plus free shipping. Bikes are going super fast, so make sure you order right away. Text BIKE to 64,000 today and get free shipping. That's BIKE to 64,000. Text BIKE to 64,000. All right, well, with only hours left before the election, uh, the Biden-Harris ticket has decided to go all in on Marxism. That's their closing pitch, their closing argument. The thing they want voters thinking about as they head to the polls on Tuesday is this. Of course, Biden-Harris has always been all in on Marxism, as has the whole Democrat Party for years now. But what I'm going to play for you now is perhaps the most direct and explicit endorsement of that ideology that we've heard from any major Democrat who's not named Bernie Sanders. So here's the video put out by Kamala Harris on Sunday. Listen to this. So there's a big difference between equality and equity. Equality suggests, oh, everyone should get the same amount. The problem with that, not everybody's starting out from the same place. So if we're all getting the same amount, but you started out back there and I started out over here, we could get the same amount, but you're still going to be that far back behind me. It's about giving people the resources and the support they need so that everyone can be on equal footing and then compete on equal footing. Equitable treatment means we all end up at the same place. Okay, a lot of problems here. Um, let, let, I mean, let, let's start with the slightly less significant one, which is what was up with the background noise here? Was that like running water? It sounded like a running water sound effect, like a, a stream or, or, or something. Were we supposed to imagine Camilla sitting by a stream on a mountainside imparting these teachings to her disciples? Is that the vibe they were going for? Because it doesn't quite work. She definitely doesn't have the soothing voice necessary to be a mountaintop guru. In fact, the voice and the message would be much more at home in a gender studies class, maybe a workplace tolerance and diversity seminar or something like that. Um, so that didn't really work. But more to the point, Harris says that equality is giving people the same amount. But that's not good enough, she says, because some people are starting out ahead. And so when they get the same amount, they're going to still be ahead of those uh, who, who started out behind them. So what we need, she says, is equity 
which means we all start at the same place and end at the same place. And I think that basically summarizes her argument fairly, I think. Now, let's run through all the reasons why this is a a horrifying combination of stupid, incoherent, dishonest, and dangerous. Number one, equality does not mean that we all get the same amount. That's That's not what equality is, legally or in any other sense. Equality under the law, which is the only kind of equality that the government should be concerned with, means that we're all subject to the same laws and that the law does not explicitly give advantages or disadvantages to anybody. Which means, for example, affirmative action, those laws infringe on equality under the law. They are a direct assault on equality under the law by design. But that's what equality under the law is supposed to mean. And that's what we should have in this country, though we don't. Equality as it relates to human beings and societies more generally, though, doesn't and cannot exist in any other form. Human beings are not in any measurable or quantifiable sense actually equal. We should be treated equal under the law, but as far as what and who we actually are, there's no equality there. Equality means sameness. I'm not the same as anyone else on earth. I have a different personality, background, experience. I'm either going to be dumber, smarter, more hardworking, less hardworking, more virtuous, less virtuous than the next guy. None of us are equal. The type of equity Harris talks about assumes that we are all equal. We're all the same. It doesn't account for any differences in personality, character, intelligence, priority, virtue. It just assumes that we're all at heart exactly the same. And crucially, that we're all trying to go to the same place. In her vision of the world, everybody wants to climb to the same mountaintop, to the same elevation, and the same exact destination. She can't understand that that, that everyone has their own mountaintops. And not everyone is trying to get to the top, or people have a different idea of what the top is for them. And this confusion comes up quite a bit, I think, especially with discussions of the wage gap. The wage gap is mostly a myth, of course, but whatever wage disparity does exist between genders, it's because women and men have different, make different choices in their careers. They have different priorities. Women, for example, are more likely to choose jobs that give them more time at home. They're more likely to leave the workforce entirely to raise children. Harris sees this as a problem of equity. What she can't understand is that lots of women make that choice because that's the kind of life they want to live. That's their priority, their vision, their desire, their mountaintop. It's not the same as everybody else. Number two, what does she mean by get the same amount? Same amount of what? And who is giving it? This isn't being pedantic here. It's a serious question. I honestly have no idea what this thing is that we're all getting and who's giving it. What does she mean? Money, skill, IQ points? What are we talking about here? But of course, the vagueness is the point. Harris can just shout, we should all get the same amount. And undiscerning listeners will cheer, yes, sounds great, the same amount. Without anybody stopping to ask, uh, wait a second, um, same amount of what? Number three, bringing us to the most terrifying part of the clip, I think. She says, equitable equitable treatment means we all end up at the same place. This is what's known as equality of outcome. Equality of opportunity is usually what politicians talk about, even though that phrase and that concept is also vague and impossible to achieve or even to define. But, But that's one thing. Equality of outcome is another thing entirely. Equality of opportunity in theory means that you know, you, you clear the, the path and let people walk as far down it as they want. Equality of outcome means you set booby traps on the path to stop 
some people from walking too far down it, and then you take other people and you carry them further along it so that at the end, we're all bunched up, some of us bruised and bleeding, on the same spot, on the same path. And who chooses what that spot should be? Who decides what our universal outcome ought to be? Who decides where we should all end up? Well, the government, of course, Kamala Harris. She'll be happy to decide. And as the decider, that means that she is not herself in the same place. She's further along. She has power. So everyone else should end up in the same place, but not her. She needs to be further along so that she can turn around and decide where the rest of us are allowed to go, how far we're allowed to go. So this is full-blown Marxism. And to understand how disturbed you should be by it, just imagine what would be required for the government to ensure that 330 million people all end up in the same place. Well, you don't have to imagine. Look elsewhere in the world and throughout history where this experiment has been tried. You will find tyranny and death. Because tyranny and death, is, these are a necessary mechanism, a vehicle for, for what Kamala Harris is talking about. You cannot create equality of outcome without removing self-determination, freedom, liberty, creativity, everything else that makes humans human and life worth living. See, the thing is, governments really cannot force people to be more successful than their desire, ambition, and skill level will take them. Government cannot create equity through positive enforcement. The only way it can do it is to do the one thing governments can do, which is punish, censor, stifle, kill. Governments cannot force people to be successful. They can, though, steal the fruits of success from the successful and chop them back down to size. This is within the logistical capabilities of the government, even if it's not within its moral or constitutional limits. So that's what this equity will mean. That's what it always means. Punishment and suppression. That's the future the Democrats envision. Now voters have to decide if it's what they want as well. Let's get to our five headlines. Well, you know, I can't recommend my pillow enough. And uh, you know, we, we, we just moved, as you know, we, we moved out here to Nashville and we're staying at a rental right now where we're looking for a house. Um, and, you know, we got a lot of stuff in storage. We had to decide... We, we, had the, we had the moving truck packing up most of our house, taking it to storage. And then there, there's certain items that we could bring with us in our car as we made the 12-hour trip out here. And one thing that, we, that we, my wife and I both said is we need to make sure we bring the MyPillows. And we brought those. And so that's one little slice of home that we have um, you know, at, at the rental place. So Because I, I, here's the thing. When you get a MyPillow uh, or any of their products, but especially the pillow itself, once you've, once you've used it, you, you can't, you need it. So everywhere you go, you have to bring it because it, you, you, once, once, you've, once you've slept on the MyPillow, it's like everything else. You see how, uh, just how insufficient it really is. Mike Lindell is the inventor of MyPillow. Mike's latest, is on, latest deal is on his Giza Dream Sheets, which are made from the world's best cotton, uh, Giza cotton. They're ultra soft, breathable, extremely durable. This is another necessity. It was easy to pack the sheets up in the car. Pillows are a little bit bulkier, but we had to bring those. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets are at um, a two-for-one low price plus free shipping, but you got to use the promo code DAILYWIRE. That should be easy to remember. Uh, all the MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You've just got to try this stuff. That's all. You know, you hear about MyPillow all the time. you just got to try it. Give it a shot. I guarantee you it'll become a, an addiction that you need it in order to sleep. Just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listeners square to check out the uh, two-for-one low price on the Giza Dream Sheets, plus free shipping. 
There are also deep discounts on all other MyPillow products. You got to go check that out too. Enter promo code DAILYWIRE or call 800-651-1148 for these great radio specials. Again, that's MyPillow.com. All right, number one, Wolf Blitzer of CNN posted this video of shops in D.C. You can see it here. Uh, I don't know if he took it or someone else did, but shops in D.C. being boarded up in anticipation of unrest, as the media will call it. Uh, mostly peaceful unrest, I'm sure, on election. It, it, it's, it's strange how these mostly peaceful protesters, you know, even though they're mostly peaceful, you still have to board up your windows when they come by. It's weird, strange how that works. I don't know. Um, and then Wolf Blitzer says, I never thought I'd see so many buildings here in this nation, in the nation's capital, boarded up on the eve of a presidential election in anticipation of possible unrest. And it's not just in D.C. It's happening in New York, Los Angeles, elsewhere around the country. So sad. I agree that it's sad, Wolf. But you never thought you'd see it? Well, talk to your friends over at CNN and also yourself. I mean, you know, it's, it's strange when you've got... It's weird how this works, right? When you've already got... Um, leftist radicals who are inclined to, towards rioting and violence, and then you go and, and tell them that the president is literally Hitler, and he's trying to abolish democracy, and if he's reelected, it'll be the last election. We're all going to be living in Handmaid's Tale after this. Um, and and uh, w- when you tell them people that, who are already inclined to violence, yeah, who, who could have predicted this result? Who could have possibly ever predicted it? Right. Number two, I thought this was pretty big news here. Uh, A tweet from Joe Biden. He says, I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus. That's what he claims, which is pretty amazing. He's going to shut down the virus. It's that simple. That easy. From from what I hear, there's a, there's a, a big red button in the White House that's labeled shut down virus in all caps. All you have to do is push it. Shut down the virus. Really, Donald Trump has not thought to push it or refuses to push it. I don't know. So we need Joe to get in there and say, hey, guys, uh, why don't we just push to, why don't we just get rid of the virus? Have you guys thought about doing that? No one thought of it? Well, hey, just press the button. It's gone. Of course, in reality, though, uh, Biden will not shut down the virus uh, because you can't just shut down a virus. It's not how viruses work. He will do the opposite, really, of what he just said there. You can effectively shut down the economy and effectively shut down the country, you can do that, which is what he will do, should he be um, reelected. Meanwhile, in more coronavirus news, the governor of Michigan continues to find new ways to defile the Constitution. She's very creative. you got to give her that. Um, Here's the latest. This is from Fox 17 in Michigan. Listen to their report. The state now says in order to help with COVID contact tracing starting Monday, bars and restaurants will need to start collecting names and phone numbers of all patrons. But some say it's just another way to single out the industry with no real proof that they are the problem at a time when their capacity is already at 50%. Again, what's this data gathering? If the data is not truthful or what it is, how do we know how good it is? Scott Ellis is the executive director of the Michigan Licensed Beverage Association, a group that worked with the state on the new guidelines, but he says that does not always mean the two sides agree. He also adds it's not appropriate to pin COVID increases on restaurants and bars. Our frontline servers have already had troubles now dealing with masks and mandating, mandating people wearing masks. We went through all that. We did, de- you know, we did de-escalation training and all kinds of other things. 
to help with that. Now we're taking it to a next level. We have to gather someone's personal information. According to a new order put out Thursday, the state will require all restaurants and bars that offer dine-in food service to maintain accurate records of names and phone numbers of people who eat on site, along with the date and time they walked in. We just told them, look, get name, phone number, and write it on a piece of paper. Because if the health department calls you and says, hey, so-and-so came in on this day or someone came in on this date, I need to lift, they have to provide it. If customers do not want to give that information, they can be refused service. I know this is treated as a sort of an irrelevant detail these days, but they don't have the authority to do this. Where is their authority to do this? Where do they derive the authority to declare that if you want to go out to eat, you have to give your contact information to the, to the restaurant who will then pass it along to the government? Where does the state government derive the authority to say, if you want to go out to eat in our state, we have to know exactly who you are and we need your personal information? Well, they don't, of course. But this is the the health department. The health department in Michigan has declared that they're going to do this now. And so what we've discovered over the last uh, six, seven months is that state health departments are governing bodies who have the scope of their power is limitless. They can... And there is nowhere they their power cannot touch. We know the health department in California has already decided if you want to have people over to your own house, your own family members to your own house, they could tell you how many family members. They could tell you uh, where on your house, where on your property you can meet them, for how long you can meet, what you're allowed to do when you're with them, how close you can get to them, all on your own property. And this is the state health department just... Unelected bureaucrats in the state health department simply declaring this is what it's going to be now. Number three, an article on studyfinds.org says, as if the coronavirus pandemic wasn't giving Americans enough anxiety already, you may have heard there's a presidential election this November. With political divisions reaching historic highs, a survey finds a majority of the country believe their most stressful day of 2020 hasn't even arrived yet. The poll examining mental health reveals 55% of Americans think Election Day 2020 will be the most stress-filled day of their lives. The one-poll survey examined the current mental health of 2,000 adults, focusing on the stress caused by COVID-19. Nearly 6 in 10 people can't imagine being more stressed than they already are this year, while 67% want the year to be over now. My God, stop whining, you babies. First of all, I just want the year to be over now. Um, Second, this, this dovetails nicely with what we've discussed on the show on Friday, uh, people acting like their very lives depend on the outcome of a presidential election, like certain doom or utopia awaits depending on which dude is in the White House for the next four years. Uh, and as I, as I said, of course, elections are very important. We've been talking, I talk about that all the time on the show. Very important. Um, but I, I will just say, if, if the most stressful day of your life is a presidential election, What that tells me is that you have lived one hell of an easy and probably pretty boring life. The average human existence, there should be things happening in your own life that create a hell of a lot more stress than a presidential election does. I mean, I'll give you one example, because I don't think for me this would even make the top 100. Because, for example, uh, every time I go out to eat at a restaurant with four kids, that's more stressful than Tuesday's going to be. That alone, every single one of those, that that all is going to be above the presidential election on the scale of stress. Uh, Number four, Ilhan Omar was doing a town hall with Maisie Hirono. So you expect stupidity, of course. Uh, 
you expect the stupidity level to be turned up to about 100. And in this case, your expectations would be met and exceeded. Here's what Ilhan Omar had to say. So of our three branches, um, the, the, the judiciary or the Supreme Court has one of the lowest approval ratings with um, the, the United States electorate. And I think it's like a 10% approval rating. Um, and I wonder um, what this process does to um, a system that we need to function and to have legitimacy um, that is now going to have someone be part of it who's not seen as a legitimate appointee, um, certainly with the way that the process went, with, with you know, the vote being so partisan. Um, what, what does it mean uh, for, you know, the, the future history of the court? Let me just jump in here, Ilhan, and, and answer that question for you. Number one, the phrase future history of the court doesn't make sense, just to note. Number two, um, the process was not at all illegitimate. It was completely legitimate, completely legal, completely normal. And you know that, of course, which is why you can't explain why it was illegitimate. You just feel like it was. Number three, uh, yes, the vote was partisan because every Democrat announced their decision ahead of time before the hearings even started to, to vote against uh, the nominee, which is the same thing they did with Kavanaugh, the same thing they did with Gorsuch. So yes, it was a partisan vote for the Supreme Court. Imagine that. First one in history, right? Um, what else? Number four, the approval rating of the Supreme Court is not 10%. So you just made that up. It's actually 58%. Congress, which is your branch of government, is the least popular uh, uh, branch of government. And that approval rating, I think, is at about 18%. It's less than 20 and a lot less than Supreme Court approval rating. Number five, though, the approval rating of the Supreme Court doesn't matter anyway. I don't care if it's 2%. The, the, the opinions of the American public shouldn't factor into the Supreme Court's decisions at all. If 100% of people in America decided that um, they wanted a, a certain decision to go a certain way, that should have zero impact on what the Supreme Court actually does. The only thing that should matter to the Supreme Court is what the Constitution says. That's it, because that's their whole job, to interpret the Constitution. Number five, and the McRib is back nationwide for the first time since 2012. Uh, starting December 2nd, it'll be on McDonald's menus across the country. Nobody can figure out why exactly, though. Nobody can explain to me why. The McRib may well be the greatest fraud ever perpetrated on the American public. It might be. It is literal dog food that people will wait in line to eat. In fact, it's worse than that. At least dog food is real meat and it has some kind of nutritional value. Like you could, here's my tip to you. This is all, this is all I'll say. When, it, when the McRib comes back on December 2nd and you think, oh, I want to go get a McRib because you're, a, you're psychotic. Uh, and you get there and there's a one hour long line at the drive-thru. What I would recommend is uh, leave, leave McDonald's, just swing by the, your local PetSmart and grab any dog food off the shelf, smother it in, you know, store-bought barbecue sauce, and there you go. There's the McRib sandwich. Um, 
And like I said, even, even better for you. More nutritional value, I would say. All right, so the McRib sandwiches, of course, canceled. But let's get to the real daily cancellation now. Today for our daily cancellation, we have another exciting double cancellation. I'll be canceling two different people for seemingly unrelated offenses, but I have to cancel them both today because these cancellations are related to the election. So I have to, I have to get them in now while I still can. So I'm doubling up. Um, first up on the docket is Lady Gaga. I'm not entirely sure what she was trying to do here, but I think the goal was to appeal to normal working class Americans and encourage them to vote for Biden. But her impression of normal working class Americans needs a lot of work. Watch. Hey, this is Lady Gaga. I'm voting for America, which means I'm voting for Joe Biden. And if you live in Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Florida, or Arizona, I encourage you to vote. And if you have a friend that lives there, tell them to vote. I'm gonna be in one of these states tomorrow. Guess which one I'll be in? Hint, I used to live there. Cheers to the 2020 election. Wow, okay. First of all, this woman was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress, keep in mind. Yet, that's how she performs the role of normal human. It is not convincing, to say the least. She's leaning on a pickup truck, wearing some kind of camo Halloween costume, with what appear to be ski boots. And all of that would be bad enough. The cringe level was already turned up almost to the max. But then at the end there, she takes one sip of her beer, tosses it on the ground, and says, cheers. That is not, no, th that's not what people do, Lady Gaga. Take it from somebody who, who lived in rural Pennsylvania until a week ago, okay? If you go to, to like a, a barbecue or a party in, in Pennsylvania and somebody hands you a cold one and you take one sip and throw it on the ground and say cheers, you may get a number of different reactions, but none of them will be, wow, this woman is just like us, so relatable. Probably the reaction would just be, wait, why, why did you do that? If you didn't want a beer, you could have just told me. I mean, who are you? Stone Cold Steve Austin? What the hell? And then you would never be invited to another barbecue again. That's probably how that would go. Now, I'm wondering if, if maybe Lady Gaga always does this when, when someone offers a toast. Maybe she thinks that's what a toast is. That's what you're supposed to do when people say cheers. She's at an anniversary party or something, and someone says, let's offer a toast to the happy couple. And Lady Gaga just picks up her glass of champagne and chucks it across the room. I don't know. But this is further proof of, proof of two things. Number one, the people who make art and entertainment for us um, in this country, make art and entertainment for the masses, have no idea who the masses actually are, what they like, and how they act. And that's obvious just based on the content they put out. We don't even need this video for that. Number two, this is the danger of being a rich person surrounded by yes men. You know, apparently nobody in Lady Gaga's orbit had the gumption to stand up and say, uh... Miss Gaga, I, I wouldn't put this video out. It is, um, the thing is, it's the dumbest thing anyone's ever done, and everyone will laugh at you, so don't do this. Unless, alternatively, maybe there's some noble hero in Lady Gaga's inner circle who likes to mess with her by putting these ideas in her head. Like, hey, you know what normal, normal folks do? They throw their beer on the ground. You should totally do a video like that. They'll love it. Put it out there. I imagine this person, if they exist, was also responsible for Lady Gaga wearing a giant slab of beef to the VMAs a few years ago. So this person I've just invented is pretty awesome. They're not canceled. Lady Gaga is. Now, 
on to the next one. I, I have in, in, in recent days um, canceled both dancing and I voted selfies. I've made the rules very clear. You may not dance. You may not take photos of yourself with your I voted sticker. Very simple. I don't see why these rules would be difficult to follow. And yet time and again, I find that the world somehow does not stop doing things when I tell it to. This fact causes me great distress, especially when it's one of my own colleagues defying me in this way. And that's why Michael Knowles is canceled because of this. Yes, there he is dancing while he casts his ballot with an I voted sticker. Unconscionable behavior. The only thing that would have made that worse if he had his, like a dog named Emoji with him. You know, here's the thing. I, I, I have not really worked closely in person with other people in years. I've been deep down in my lair, like Joe, Joe Biden closed off from the world. People ask me what it will be like now that I'm moved to Nashville and I'm going to be working in an office with other people. And the answer is that it'll be fine just as long as nobody ever does anything that I don't want them to do. I'm very good at working with people. I think I'm a very relatable and likable guy. Uh, you know, I, I'm easy to get along with, provided that everything goes my way 100% of the time. And everybody follows every arbitrary rule I happen to concoct in my head. So in that way, I'm not much different from any other millennial, I guess. But this behavior from Knowles makes me concerned that I have emerged from my layer into a world that will not necessarily bend itself to my whim. The shock of that discovery for me is gut-wrenching. So Knowles is canceled. And anyone else who should fail to follow the commandments as I set them down is also canceled. And if I have to just keep canceling the same people over and over again, if that's what I have to do, then that's what is going to happen. That's going to do it for us today. Um, voting tomorrow. Make sure you go and do that if you're informed and as long as you're not dancing along the way. And I'll talk to you then. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey, everyone. It's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. Election Day at last is tomorrow. And the big question facing this country is, do we want Kafifi or Batacathic hair in Truman to Burma to boom? And if you don't know what that means, welcome to the party, pal. No one else does either, but we'll try to figure it out on The Andrew Clavin Show.